Section 32 of Final Report of the Advisory Committee on Human Radiation Experiments. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Final Report of the Advisory Committee on Human Radiation Experiments. Case Studies, Chapter 6, Part 1 the aec program of radioisotope distribution at the dawn of the atomic age many people hoped for dramatic advances in medicine akin to the new miracle drug penicillin many of these hopes have been fulfilled radioisotopes have become remarkable tools in three areas first as their travels within the body are traced radioisotopes provide a map of the body's normal metabolic functions second building on tracer research diagnostic techniques distinguish between normal and abnormal functioning finally radioisotopes carried by the body's own processes to abnormal or cancerous cells can deliver a lethal dose of radiation to those undesirable cells by supplying radioisotopes and supporting their use the Atomic Energy Commission, AEC, actively promoted the research needed to achieve this progress. The growth in the applications of radioisotopes involved thousands of experiments using radioisotopes. No feasible method was found to review in detail the vast number of individual radioisotope experiments in the Advisory Committee's database. This was due not only to the large number of experiments, but also to the scarcity of information about many of the individual experiments. Both consent and exact dose levels were often not discussed in public work. No federal repository was found that had collected records documenting these aspects of experiments. Given the decentralized structure of American medicine, it is not surprising that the committee found that records on consent and exact dose, if they exist, would still be at the local institutions conducting research, or perhaps even in the private papers of physicians and scientists. Even when records were found at the local level, there was little documentation about consent. Thus, for the largest group of human radiation experiments, little documentation remains, and a meaningful examination of all such experiments was not possible. The committee instead chose to focus its energies in two directions, examining the overall system of oversight created by the federal government and examining small subsets of radioisotope experiments that posed significant ethical issues. The first effort led to this chapter, an overview of the system created by the federal government to monitor radioisotope experiments. The second effort led to the case study on experiments involving children. Chapter 7. Since those raised questions of both additional biological risk and justification for doing non-therapeutic research on minors. The AEC's isotope distribution program was faced with three essential ethical questions. The most immediate question concerned the allocation of a scarce resource Given the likelihood that demand for radioisotopes would exceed supply, how should priorities be set? The question involved not simply the choice among competing proposals for human uses, 
including experimentation treatment of disease and diagnosis but between human uses and other kinds of uses for example basic scientific research or industrial uses another immediate question was the safety with which this new material would be used since the government was actively promoting the use of radioactive isotopes it had an obligation to ensure their safe use harm to patients physicians and others involved could arise from inexperienced and untrained users of radioisotopes when properly used in trace amounts radioisotopes posed risks well below those deemed acceptable in occupational settings balancing risks versus benefits and seeking means to decrease risks and increase benefits as the field developed was a major ethical obligation finally there was the question of the relationship between researcher and subject or precisely the question of the authorization for use in humans and the process of disclosure and consent if any to be followed these uses can be divided into one therapeutic diagnostic uses two therapeutic diagnostic research and three non-therapeutic research as we shall see great attention was paid initially to the question of resource allocation but supply soon proved far greater than expected and the need for this attention evaporated the control of the risk posed by the use of aec provided radioisotopes was also a source of intense focus from the outset and remained so as the program grew by contrast notwithstanding the 1947 declarations by aec general manager carol wilson on the importance of consent the matter of consent received only limited attention in the early years of the program origins of the aec radioisotope distribution program in the manhattan project the medical importance of radioisotopes was recognized before world war ii but distribution was unregulated by government the post-war program for distributing radioisotopes grew out of the part of the manhattan project that had developed the greatest technical expertise during the war the isotopes division of the research division at oak ridge production of useful radioisotopes required extensive planning for both their physical creation and their chemical separation from other materials plans to distribute radioisotopes to medical researchers outside the manhattan project were developed in the final year of the project in june 1946 the manhattan project publicly announced its program for distributing radioactive isotopes the new world of radioisotope research was to be shared with all most research would be unclassified an enthusiastic science magazine reported production of tracer and therapeutic radioisotopes has been heralded as one of the great peacetime contributions of the uranium chain reacting pile this use of the pile will unquestionably be rich in scientific medical and technological applications an article in the new york times magazine told readers that properly chosen atoms can become a powerful and highly selected weapon for the destruction of certain types of cancer until now the doctors and biologists have had to plea for samples of isotope material from their brothers in the cyclotron laboratories. 
now the picture has changed in a revolutionary way the government has adapted one of the oak ridge uranium piles to the mass production of radioactive by-product material extensive planning led up to this public announcement although the initial expectations were that basic research would proceed extensive medical applications from the very beginning official plan for clinical investigation with humans in doing so they recognized that the administration to humans places extreme demands both moral and legal upon the specifications and timing of the radioisotope material supplied the recognition of special moral and legal aspects of human experimentation and reliance on the professional competency of those administering radioisotopes form the cornerstones of the radioisotope distribution systems oversight of experiments significantly however the system was not designed to oversee consent from subjects prior to the administration of radioisotopes radioisotopes could not simply be ordered from the manhattan engineer district each purchase had to be reviewed and approved for human applications each application was reviewed by a special group of experts the advisory subcommittee on human application of the interim advisory committee on isotope distribution policy of the manhattan project according to one of the initial planners the chief reason for setting this group up as a separate entity from the research group another subcommittee is that of medical legal responsibility involved in the use or treatment of humans experimentally or otherwise when the aec began its work this subcommittee continued but was renamed the subcommittee on human applications of the committee on isotope distribution of the aec in 1959 it was absorbed into the advisory committee on medical uses of isotopes in 1974 the aec's responsibilities were transferred to the nuclear regulatory commission coupled with this review was a requirement that those wishing to purchase radioisotopes demonstrate the special competence required for working with radioactive materials this mechanism for centralized nationwide review was unusual at the time it was begun the breadth of the subcommittee's purview can be seen in the range of proposals examined although the advisory committee is concerned primarily with medical research the aec subcommittee review extended well beyond this realm apparently the subcommittee reviewed all proposed uses for radioisotopes that might result in the exposure of humans to radiation these included, for example, using cobalt-60 in nails in wooden survey stakes, probably to assist in later locating them, sulfur-35 in firing underground coal mines, and yttrium-90 as a tracer in gasoline in simulated airplane crashes. Its jurisdiction was limited to byproduct material, however, and did not extend to fissionable materials such as plutonium and uranium soon after the manhattan project's public announcement both the radioisotope distribution system and its oversight structure began operation on june twenty eighth nineteen forty six the subcommittee on human applications held its first meeting attending as members were dr andrew dowdy chairman and biophysicist giacino faila 
Dowdy was director of the University of Rochester's Manhattan Project Division, while Philo was a professor at Columbia University and consultant to the Meturgical Laboratory in Chicago. Not attending was the third member of the subcommittee, Dr. Heimer Friedel, executive officer of the Manhattan Project's medical section. Attending as non-voting secretary was Paul Abersold, in charge of the production of radioisotopes at Oak Ridge, later to head the AEC's isotope division. His efforts to promote the use of radioisotopes later earned him the nickname Mr. Isotope. Also attending as advisors from Oak Ridge were W. E. Cohn, the author of the original memorandum proposing a system for distributing radioisotopes, and Carl Morgan, director of health physics at Oak Ridge, who would, over the years, become a leading figure in the establishment of occupational exposure limits for radioisotopes. Although the primary task of the subcommittee was to oversee safety at the time, many expected a shortage of radioisotopes. Thus, much of this first meeting was taken up with a discussion of priorities for allocation. As it happened, supply exceeded demand within one year. It was in the context of this discussion of allocation, not a discussion of safety or ethics, that a system of local committees was suggested. Each local committee, also called Local Isotope Committee, at this meeting, would include a, a physician well-versed in the physiology and pathology of the blood-forming organs, b, a physician well-versed in metabolism and metabolic disorders, c, a competent biophysicist, radiologist, or radiation physiologist qualified in the techniques of radioisotopes. The main advantage of a system of local committees were administrative efficiency and delegation of prioritization for scarce isotopes. The primary functions of each local isotope committee were coordination, allocation, and safety. Evidently, no mention was made of overseeing subject consent. At this first meeting, the subcommittee had before it no actual request to evaluate. Even so, members did agree on the general principles on which they would deny a request. A. The requesters are not sufficiently qualified to guarantee a safe and trustworthy investigation. B. Insufficient knowledge exists to permit a safe application of the material in the proposed human cases. There was no elaboration of crucial terms such as qualified, safe, and trustworthy, insufficient knowledge, and safe application. Although no standards of adequate consent were mentioned, this degree of oversight was unusual in medical research during this time, and even later. Although it had no specific request before it, the subcommittee did consider the anticipated uses of some isotopes. The uses of some isotopes were apparently rejected, not only because of the hazards of radiation, but also because of chemical toxicity and the availability of less hazardous alternatives. For others, specific limits were set. For example, the subcommittee was especially cautious concerning isotopes of strontium because it concentrated in bone, as did radium, which was known to be hazardous from the pre-war experience of the dial painters. The subcommittee set a specific exposure limit, the SR90 and Y90 daughter. 
should not contribute in excess of one percent to the total rate of beta disintegration such general guidelines have little effect unless a procedure is established for their implementation at its first meeting the subcommittee set out in detail the mechanism for its own future operation what the subcommittee would be reviewing were requests to purchase isotopes for any use in human beings only after the subcommittee approved a request would the isotope be sold and shipped to the researcher the need for speed in responding to requests for human uses was recognized details of the procedure for purchasing isotopes were disseminated to potential users through a brochure issued in october nineteen forty six by the isotopes branch at oak ridge most of the brochure concerned the paperwork which among other things ensured that the subcommittee on human applications would actually be notified of all applications for human use the last stage of the purchase procedure indicates the underlying concern with legal liability although manhattan project approval was required the actual purchase was from the private contractor operator of the clinton laboratories later designated the oak ridge national laboratory in oak ridge at that time monsanto chemical company the final purchase agreement contained a clause relieving both the government and the private contractor from any responsibility for injury to persons or other living material or for any damage to property in the handling or application of this material the manhattan project also required the purchaser to file with the isotopes office a statement required by section 505 i of the federal food drug and cosmetic act however the advisory committee found no evidence of direct involvement by the fda at that time in the planning or operation of the radioisotope distribution program by october 1946 the distribution program was well under way 217 requests had been received of these 211 had been approved human use requests totaled 94 of which 90 had been approved the aec assumes responsibility for radioisotope distribution when the aec took over responsibility for the program on january 1st 1947 the structure of the radioisotopes distribution system remained intact the subcommittee on allocation and the subcommittee on human applications remained as standing subcommittees of the interim committee on isotopes distribution policy which became known as the advisory committee on isotope distribution policy the forms developed by the manhattan project were reissued as aec forms without substantial revision the system of application from private users review purchase and distribution continued to operate at first there appears to have been some confusion over the responsibility of the aec for its own research program and for its program to distribute radioisotopes to private researchers as discussed in chapter one two 1947 letters from aec general manager carol wilson describe strong consent requirements the april letter to stafford warren was expressly directed to the terms on which research conducted by aec contractors including universities would be approved the november letter was sent to robert stone 
as we have discussed those clear statements to contract researches do not seem to have been made to those applying for radioisotopes this confusion about the relationship between contract research and isotope distribution is discussed in a september twenty sixth nineteen forty seven memorandum from j c franklin manager of oak ridge operations to carol wilson other correspondence also indicates confusion over whether the aec's own labs which were themselves often operated by contractors were to follow the procedures for the radioisotope distribution program which would have placed their human use requests before the subcommittee on human applications initially requests for by-product materials from within the aec used a form that did not specify whether the radioisotope was to be used on humans by august nineteen forty nine shields warren director of the aec's division of biology and medicine had directed that human use by aec laboratories be subject to review by the subcommittee on human applications however when regulations governing radioisotope distribution were first promulgated aec owned facilities were specifically exempted from all such regulations warren's goal was achieved instead by a memorandum from carol wilson in july nineteen fifty this memorandum discontinued use of the earlier form and directed that all requests use the same form used by outside purchasers which directed human use requests to the subcommittee on human applications end of section thirty two